Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, real food, mindset, and everything in between. I'm Allie Hobson, a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic mama, and clean beauty advocate. I work as a clinical nutritionist for two healthcare clinics here in San Diego and run my own business virtually as an NTP supporting women with their health hormones and body balance from a root cause approach. I specialize in gut healing, autoimmune conditions, thyroid, preconception, and pregnancy wellness by rebalancing the body with the nutrients it needs and the mindset it deserves. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified nutrition and mindset coach. I support women worldwide via virtual coaching and creating a healthy relationship with food in their bodies. I specialize in freedom from dieting and restriction, disordered eating, binge eating, obsession and perfectionism, plus body image, confidence, and self-love. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We're so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You are listening to episode 83 of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey guys, just a quick little update before we jump into this week's episode. Chelsea and I are going to be in 2020 releasing episodes every other week for the most part, Uh, just with our busy schedules going on and how much time we really feel like this podcast takes. We're always wanting to put out the best content, the best episodes, the best guests and topics and get to all of your questions. So we're going to be just releasing a few less, um, but we are also going to be doing some bonus episodes and of course continuing with the interviews. So sometimes it will be every week and maybe sometimes we might skip a week. So we just wanted to give you a little heads up. So if we don't air something or don't put something out, do not be worried that we are not continuing. We absolutely are. We're just taking our time to make sure we curate the best content and put out the best podcast for you guys. So thanks so much. Keep your questions coming. And again, it really means the world to us that you guys listen and participate. And even better, if you guys have two seconds to show us some love on iTunes, we would really, really appreciate it. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review. Maybe say what you love about the podcast. And it really just helps, you know, share our, you know, episodes and content with so many more people and really put out there what we love to share. So thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey. Hello. How's it going? I think it's going to be 2020 when we are releasing this app. What? So I think it's like, I don't know, it might it might be our first New Year. Sorry if it's not. I'm trying to keep the schedule straight. <laughs> uh, maybe Happy New Year. Maybe almost Happy New Year. <laughs> but how crazy, like, the beginning of another decade. Like, 2020. Do you remember the millennium? Obviously, 2000. Yeah. We were probably in the same grade. Were you in eighth grade? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember, like, what grade I was when it happened. But you graduated high school in 2004? Correct. Okay, yeah. We were in eighth grade. Great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Y2K when everything, when the world was going to end. I mean, we really thought that, right? Yeah, everyone thought the computers were going to, like, die or something. Yeah, so crazy. I remember where I was. My friend from school, Katie Drinkwater, that was, yes, her (laughs) last name name? was Drinkwater. That's a perfect name for that question. (laughs) Question number three later. (laughs) That's true. Call back. Um, she had a party, and I remember I danced with this guy, Mark Ratliff. In eighth grade, you guys were having parties? 
Yeah. I guess Not we like did too. Not like a drinking party, just like everyone gathering and yeah, hanging okay. out. Sure. I have no idea where I was. I do not remember. Yeah. But that's it. That's all I remember. And I remember being nervous to dance with him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like scared of boys. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast. I didn't have a boyfriend until college. And anyone that liked me in high school, I was so nervous that they would sort of approach me in the hallway and I would literally run the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a like dork. Well, I think everybody's still not still scared of boys, but I don't know. Actually, now I would say they're scarier than, than ever if someone's dating. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like having to be on apps and just people having endless choices and options and guys I feel like are such a word I don't want to use, but that now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, okay, yay, so happy new year. So I thought it would be fun to ask you a few questions, a few would-you-rather questions. Okay. I'm Have excited. you ever played this game? Yes, but it's been a while. Okay. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out how. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just found some random ones that are kind of funny. Um, okay. Would you rather be only able to use a fork, no spoon, or only able to use a spoon, no fork? Definitely a fork. Really? Yeah, I could also, like, I don't know, comb my hair with it or, like, <laughs> well, I think it means, little mermaid. <laughs> right, but I don't, I think you might still be able to own a hairbrush. I okay. think it just means for, like, food purposes. <laughs> so, so this isn't, like, the desert island game? No, 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 no. You no. only have a fork for the rest no. of your life. Okay, still fork because it's just way easier to eat anything. Spoons are a pain in the butt. See, I feel like I might say spoon because I eat more things well I don't know it's hard that's a hard choice we go through more spoons in my house though so now I'm inclined to say spoons just because of how often I use them but that's true if you've ever tried to scoop an avocado which is something I eat daily with a fork it's not a good situation I've definitely tried that and it is hard because my favorite part is the part right against the skin the really deep green I love like I'll scoop out the avocado and then there's a little left and I'll put sea salt directly, like, in the shell of the skin and scoop huh. out one little last spoonful. I think I heard that there's actually, like, added nutrients or that's where some really good nutrients are. Is that true? It's true. That's where most of the nutrition is, I believe, in mm. that dark green part. It tastes really bitter, though. Really? I love it. Ugh. Okay. Next question. Would you rather every shirt you wear be kind of itchy or only be able to <laughs> use one ply toilet paper? <laughs> Good. Both are horrible options. Okay, so yesterday I wore a sweater that was like slightly itchy because I was like, if I wear something under it, it's just be too hot. And then like the way that the jeans were high, it just like didn't work out to wear a shirt under it. So I was like, I'll just go with itchy. And then I was like, whatever, I have to leave. And all day I was like, God, this sweater is so annoying. <laughs> so I think I'd rather go with the the one ply. Yeah, I would definitely go with the one ply. I hate being itchy because I hate bugs because I've been bit by bugs like so many times in my life and there's nothing worse to me. Like yeah. now I feel itchy thinking about it. <laughs> but one ply of toilet paper, you really have to work on your digestion. <laughs> this is like also like when my husband shops for anything, he like buys like the cheapest thing. So I've probably been using one ply toilet paper for all I know for a certain amount of time at some point. Yeah, yeah. That one's a hard one. 
Okay, last one. This is so like random and weird. Would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that regrows every night or sweat maple syrup? I mean, gluten-free over here. Ain't nobody got time for spaghetti hair. <laughs> okay, gluten-free brown rice spaghetti hair. Um, no, I'll go with maple syrup. We just I probably, watched Elf. Ooh, and yeah. I see I kind of think I would do the hair because I've had hair like falling out issues and so thinking about my hair growing every night is exciting to me okay good answer okay well that (laughs) was fun (laughs) I just randomly googled those if you guys want to have some fun with your friends too okay Talk about a raging New Year's party. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I know, right? Actually, it would be fun. Good old game of would you rather. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now to the serious stuff. Okay. Fun yeah. is over. <laughs> See if I can not laugh. Am I reading this? I already forgot. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, this question comes from Marie. This is about her. She says, hi there. I was a fitness instructor for 10 years, bar, boot camp, cycling, yoga, and I quit teaching last spring. On top of teaching and fully participating in class three to four times a week, I would do yoga almost every day and maybe add another high-intensity class a few times a week. I felt like my body would never, my body never really recovered, and at the same time saw so many people doing so much more. I was baffled that I, as an instructor, I was so depleted. I'm so happy to be out of this role. I have gained a few pounds, the pressure is off, and thanks to your show, I threw away my scale and I'm measuring my health on all new levels. That makes us so happy to hear. I come from a family of disordered eating, so I know this will be a process, but I already feel lighter in my heart. I am now doing bar three to four times a week. I love this workout. I think it's extremely functional without pushing my body to extreme. They are also very body and mind positive. I love it. Uh, Supplements are probiotics, omega-3s, B vitamins, calcium, magnesium, zinc. Um, My community hosts defense, ginger, and turmeric. So question number one. She says, I have heard you speak a lot about natural flavors. I'm wondering if you have a suggestion for a post-workout recovery snack for immediate replenishment. I have been using vegan protein shakes, but assume there may be a better answer that has a good protein and carb ratio. Um, Let's see. And then the last little part was, any thoughts on power foods if you're an active person for replenishment throughout the day? Cool. And I think she's doing bar three. I think that's a type of bar. Oh, four fine. times a week, if anyone wants the details. <laughs> that makes um, a difference. Yeah. Okay, so first things first, I do just want to say how awesome it is that you have come to that understanding about yourself and your relationship with exercise and your routine and that you were able to make the shift that you did. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later. You have another question about exercise and exercise threshold. It's a really good question, but just to sort of give my first two cents on that, more definitely isn't always better, especially for people who are perfectionists or type A or go, 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 which I feel like is so many women and definitely all the clients that I work with tend to fall into this category. And it's so important for me to assure them that not only is less not as good, it's usually better for people that sort of fall into this camp and have pushed themselves and are starting to see some of these negative repercussions. 
So I just really yeah, want to congratulate you on that. It can be so hard for people to find a balance. It's very similar to what I see in women's relationships with food where we're either totally in or we're totally off. We really have a hard time finding our groove in a balanced state in the middle. And even, of course, as a society with all things, we have a hard time with the concept of balance. It's always go, 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 more, 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 bigger and better. So I just think it's really incredible the changes that you've made and how you've begun to work with your body instead of against it. I just so champion that idea of really making friends with your body, listening to your body and working with your body. So amazing. And we'll talk a little bit more about exercise again in a second. But to answer this first question, so about natural flavors, And I know we definitely have brought this up. It's something I learned about in the last year or two and have started to sort of look out for more on my labels. And as I do, I see it in a lot of things. The issue with natural flavors is that they can be masked behind that name, but actually be indicating that MSG, which is monosodium glutamate, which is a food additive or flavor enhancer, is in the product. Not all the time. Um, sometimes you may see something like this, like natural flavors, which is really just potentially that company protecting their recipe. But I feel like in that case, it might say something like spices and then, you know, okay, maybe it's just a specific type of spice blend. It's not something that could be more like chemical based or like an additive. What you'll find natural flavors in is usually processed food, like anything packaged, Um, usually like the lower quality stuff, you know, less expensive, cheaper products, definitely like, you know, for example, like a Doritos or something like that. If you think about your brain really lighting up something being like, I, you know, once I pop, I can't stop Pringles, like something like that. Usually you're going to (laughs) find something like natural flavors or MSG in those types of products. That's why they're so good. They are literally designed in a lab to light our brains up and light our flavor, you know, not necessarily your brain, but give your brain that experience and that, um, like feeling, yeah, endorphin response and everything. Yeah. So basically MSG can affect the brain and the central nervous system. And I'm pretty sure most people are aware that MSG is not good for us just because even Chinese restaurants, I feel like you may even see signs outside of them that say, no, we don't use MSG. I just feel like I've seen that since I was a kid. Um, But natural flavors doesn't sound uh, inherently negative, right? So they are not natural. (laughs) They're usually chemical based. And, you know, especially if you have health issues or even digestive issues or autoimmune issues, and you're looking to just, again, upgrade your health and avoid something that's just not necessary. Because like I said, it's usually in these more processed foods. Honestly, like I always say, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. If you have to, if you buy chips or you have to eat something that has natural flavors in it or something, even MSG like here and there, you're it's not going to kill you. But it's definitely something I wouldn't ever recommend anyone consume on a, on a, a really consistent basis. So just look out. You'll probably see it now more often now that maybe it's on the top of your mind. Um, But, you know, I would really say people who have more of like chronic health issues, just make sure that it's not something you're consuming just because of its effect on the nervous system and on the brain. Um, And I can link to an article, too, that the medical medium wrote all about 
natural flavors and additives and some other foods that he recommends avoiding for those with chronic health issues. Again, like more specific to that demographic versus everyone. But yeah, just look out for them. I don't think that they're beneficial. And if you can avoid them and choose another product, um, that's what I would recommend. Do you want to touch on that? And then we can go back and talk a little bit about post-workout nutrition too. Sure. And I just randomly was like, what does MSG actually stand for? I didn't really know. <laughs> Monosodium glutamate. I think I said it, yeah? There, oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Um, okay, sorry. I need to pay attention better. Really? <laughs> maybe I just didn't. Yeah, Allie. I don't know. I don't know. My brain is like done so. It's okay. Um, I had, by the way, I had to look yeah. that up too. Good. So. I don't feel, well, not like I felt bad about it, but I was like, no. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, oh, you know what it's like? Um, what does, like, VCR stand for? <laughs> like, Felix. the video, like, that, th- the thing you would play movies on as a kid? Yeah, that thing. Video recording controller? Um, hold on, I have to look it up because <laughs> I, I always forget. A video cassette recorder. Oh, wow. That makes sense because it kind of looks like a big cassette. People <laughs> yeah. who are younger than us listening to this, they're like, what's that? What's the VCR? <laughs> Did I tell you? I don't know if I told you this or this on the podcast or not, but I was seeing a patient who was, I think she's about 16, 17, and we were talking about water. And she was like, it's really just hard for me to drink water. And I was like, you know, it's almost one of those things you just have to like carry around with you constantly, like pick your favorite water bottle. And it's almost this attachment, like, um, you know, pretend it's like something you're taking care of. And I was like, you know, it's kind of like a Tamagotchi. And she's like, oh my God, a what? (laughs) I was like, you know, a Tamagotchi, like the little thing they used to clip on and like feed it. And like, you know, she had no idea what I was talking about. Oh my God. Yeah. 16. No. She's like, is that an app? And I was like, "Mm, probably it is now. (laughs) Did you feel old? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. It's like, "Uh, never mind, moving on. I'm not 30 or anything. It's fine. Um, Double your age. Oh, my God. (laughs) We are so old. Okay. Okay, so the thing that I have to say about this is I went onto the FDA's website because I was curious just, like, what they would classify it as. And I'm going to read you just a quick little snippet of what natural flavor is according to the FDA. So the term natural flavor or natural flavoring means the essential oil, oleoresin, essence or extractive, protein, hydrolysate, (laughs) distillate, or any product of roasting, heating, or enzymolysis, which contains the flavoring constituents derived from a spice, fruit, or fruit juice, vegetable, or vegetable juice, edible yeast, herb, bark, bud, root, leaf, or similar plant material, meat, seafood, poultry, eggs, dairy products, or fermentation products thereof, whose significant function in food is flavoring rather than nutritional. So, (laughs) basically these natural flavors include a lot of different things and they don't necessarily have to say what it is that they're calling out if it's like you know under this umbrella of any of the things I just mentioned they can just kind of throw it in there so that would just give you an idea of how many like inventions and flavors and things and when we look at any type of nutrition label it's like you really just want to know what it is you know you'd want to know how much of something it is what type of something it is it's just like eating something that you don't know just like kind of freaks people out freaks me out so that's another just kind of reason why um in an article that I was looking at so this happened well probably like 
months, six months ago maybe even, but there was an article that came out that everyone was like all up in arms about and sharing of LaCroix or LaCroix, however you want to say it, that they were putting some type of natural flavor, which might have been like cockroach insecticide or something like that into their products. So I found an article that was kind of like digging into that. And I found this quote by um, this chemist from the Environmental Working Group. If you guys don't have the EWG app, it's super, super helpful. Mostly I use it for skincare, but they do obviously a lot of different food stuff too. They have some really interesting articles. They did one on like glyphosate and breakfast cereals. And I don't know, I subscribe to their kind of like e-blast or whatever. But anyways, um, this chemist said, quote, you see quote unquote natural flavor on a label and it's really a black box of secrecy in terms of what's being added to that product. And I thought that was a really good like way of just putting it. So it's just a good idea to avoid them because really you're just kind of eating something that you don't necessarily know. It could be synthetic, it could be solvents, it could be preservatives, um, you know, of the like. Yeah. Yeah. The, I feel like end. anything that's doesn't give us full transparency. I mean, if you think about it, it's foods that we're buying and putting in our precious bodies and we don't know what ingredients are in it often because of, not to shade the FDA you just quoted from, but like, you know, like they don't want us to really know because if you did know, like if on LaCroix it said, what was it, cockroach? Insecticide. Um, like insecticide. If it said that, obviously no one would buy it. And I don't know, alleg- allegedly, right? That's what's, right. Right. What I don't it. know that that's actually true. I have no idea if that's true. But, um, and again, most products that are using natural flavors, I don't think it's something that extreme that would be like terrifying to put in your system. But still, I just wish that there was more transparency to ingredients so that we just had the full picture and then we could make the choices from there. But honestly, like, I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure it'll happen within our lifetime, not anytime soon. Um, Just with all the regulations, um, even against like GMO labeling and blah, that's a whole other conversation. But we see that in the skincare company. Yeah. Anything Um, is like the natural flavors of food is the fragrance of skincare. So it's the same thing. They don't necessarily have to say what it is that they're using. Yes. But, but but this past week, which would have been a few weeks ago now, um, yeah. Greg Renfrew, the CEO and founder of Beauty Counter, actually went to Congress and sat and did, you know, was, was a whole part of this movement to actually ban that law and make companies say, you have to say what is in your fragrance. So it was really cool. They did like a live, you know, video cam and all that kind of stuff. So cool. That's really incredible. Amazing. Okay. And then your question about uh, thoughts on power foods, if you're an active person for replenishment throughout the day, and then also maybe something to consume post-workout besides a protein shake that has a good protein and carb ratio. If you're looking for something specific like an electrolyte drink, I think I've referenced this before on the show, but Noelle Tarr from Coconuts and Kettlebells and the Well-Fed Women podcast She has a DIY natural electrolyte drink, which is basically made up of coconut water, lemon juice, water, sea salt, and honey, which is kind of the perfect combo of everything that you need, minerals, hydration, uh, a little bit of, yeah, carbs and sugar um, for, like, I would say that would be more for athletes or people who are sweating a lot, losing a lot of fluids, um, rigorous, long, you know, cardio-based and weight-based work, like a whole, you know, 
like people who are really working out really hard. <laughs> maybe you're training for something. Maybe you're training yeah. for a marathon or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that might be something a little bit extreme, but I'll link that in the show notes if you guys want to check that out. I just don't think most people need something like that. I feel like you don't always have to reach for a protein shake post-workout or something like that. You could even just do some real food-based source of protein and carbs. And my thought process on this too would be for some people, it could actually be more beneficial to have something that's more like real food-based, meaning like not that something blended is not real food, but you guys know when you make a shake, you could chug that down in like four to five seconds. So when you're exercising, you're in that fight or flight state and your cortisol is high. So actually sitting down and allowing your system to come back down to the parasympathetic rest and digest state from exercise and sit and eat a little bit, I think could be really helpful not only for your overall body and the cortisol response and hormonally, but also for digestion and maybe not feeling like as full or like bloated or something if that's something that happens to you and actually having, you know, real food in front of you that you have to chew and eat slowly maybe a little bit better. So that's just something to sort of play around um, with as well. And if you're doing, um, yeah, if you're doing a vegan protein powder, I would just, like we were just talking about natural flavors, that's somewhere that sometimes they hide is in protein powder. So I would, again, just like double check the quality of your protein powder and just make sure, again, it's as basic as possible. If there's like a stevia or a monk fruit or something like that in there, or like a coconut palm sugar, which is in like, I feel like those are the three sweeteners we usually see. If it's something like that, I think that's fine. But if it's something like, um, like an artificial sweetener, I would definitely not recommend doing something like that especially when you have a drink that has like that extreme amount of sweetness, you'll crave so much more sweet. And just again, it it dysregulates sort of like your sweet and satisfaction response. That's again, kind of like a tangent and an aside, but just kind of on the tails of our conversation about natural flavors, I would just double check the ingredients in your protein powders and just make sure it's as close to real ingredients as possible, especially if that's something that you're doing every single day and post-workout. You just exercised and did like, you know, this great thing for your body. So I'd want to make sure you were getting like good high quality nutrient dense food after that too. And then my only kind of thought on like replenishment throughout the day and foods like power foods, I guess, would be just like fresh fruits and vegetables, things that have water in them to, you know, also sort of hydrate your system and not always maybe like dried things, but then I'm also going to recommend dates, which are dried, but I feel like they have a really good ratio of like vitamins, minerals, fiber, carbs. Um, They could be something great to just kind of keep on you throughout the day and like have one to two at a time and, um, and see how that feels. Those are my thoughts. What about you? I was going to say, I feel like people are going to want to know, well, what protein powder would you recommend? <laughs> so mm, yeah. I'm going to list a few. I don't have that many because it is really hard to find a clean one. Um, and I was going to look up just as we're talking, maybe if you know off the top of your head, but that, that Primal Kitchen Collagen Fuel, I think well, it's like... it's not vegan though. It's not vegan. Yeah. But does that, does it have to be? Well, she did say vegan. But... But I don't know if she she's vegan. vegan. I don't right. know. Because okay. I feel like a lot of the protein powders like are just vegan in general. Yeah. Aside from the ones that I'm going to recommend. <laughs> but um, like I know Vega and like all those ones. I don't know. But if it's if it's not – and the one that I'm 
recommending is going to be following. But the, the um, I'm not making sense at all. <laughs> Question about okay. the Primal Kitchen Foods one? Okay, so back to that, which is yeah. not vegan, correct? Yeah. Um, I think that the ingredients are, like, pretty clean. I don't think they're, like, squeaky yeah. clean, but it is sweetened, I know, with monk fruit. And right. I think it also has um, konjac root in it. Mm-hmm. and um, some other things. But they're all really pretty clean ingredients, and that's, like, a very easy one to find. Um, mm-hmm. I know they, you know, for sure have it probably on Thrive Market, those kind of places. So the Collagen Fuel one, the vanilla, I kind of like it. I've had it before, and I think it's okay. It's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. The other one that I haven't tried but I've been wanting to try um, is called New Zest. Have you tried that? No, but I heard the buzz Lil Sipper, who, like, I haven't really followed, but I'm sure everyone listening is like, oh, my God, I love her because she's yeah, a big following. Bethany. But she yeah, came out awesome. with her own protein through New Zest. Did you oh, know really? this? No. A digestive blend. I think it's sold out right now. Maybe it'll be back by the time this comes out. It has probiotics in it that I think are specific to people who have, like, IBS or SIBO or something because that's what she struggled with. Yeah. And, and then it's just, like, I think it's just cacao – pea protein, the probiotics, and maybe coconut palm sugar, which I like that. I personally would rather have coconut palm sugar than like monk fruit or stevia. And that's me personally because I feel like I used to do so much stevia. And like I was saying, the more I did it, the more I was like craving super sweet stuff, Mm -hmm. even though it's natural because it actually it is natural. (laughs) Stevia is natural. If you get the non-processed source – but, like, the cheaper ones um, are, are processed and sometimes have other stuff in them, too. Um, so I'd rather have a little bit of grams of sugar because I'm not scared of that than mm-hmm. have, like, an artificial sweetener or even, like, a stevia or a monk fruit just personally. And I think that she's actually written about stevia and gut issues, which I can try and find and link in the show notes, which is probably why mm-hmm. she used that sweetener, but sorry to hijack your, go ahead. (laughs) No, this is good. (laughs) Um, also who's written about stevia is, I forget her name. She's the paleo mom. Sarah Ballantyne. Sarah Ballantyne has done some stuff on stevia saying that it can be, or maybe we're not entirely sure, but more gut disrupting than we really think it is. Yeah. Um, and then Mark Hyman, I think had commented on a video that I had watched recently saying that he prefers monk fruit over stevia. So yeah, I think um, Kelly Levesque, who talks a lot about protein powders, because she has she wrote the book Body Love. She has the Fab Four smoothie, which is like protein, fat, fiber, greens. You guys probably have heard of her too. I thought she was coming out with a protein powder, and then I think it didn't happen. But she actually talks a lot about um, heavy metals in like pea protein and making sure you're getting good a good brand. Hmm, and now I'm trying to think of um, the one pea. I think. Well, anyway, sorry, I don't have a specific recommendation on that. But re- go Google around, like, and listen to some podcasts she's been on. She's talked about it a lot, the heavy metals and pea protein correlation. And then also I think she prefers – she very much prefers monk fruit as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the New Zest, it's a clean – like, their brand is, like, clean, lean protein. So that would be one to check out. They have – different flavors and then there's one that's just like super plain 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 like that would be the cleanest one to do and then aside from those I really personally just use collagen 
Um, I think it's just clean and easy. Again, that's not a vegan source. They do have marine collagen out there if you are okay with doing like fish products, but I just like to use it in different ways. Like I put it into tea and coffee and it doesn't taste like anything. You know, you're not getting any added flavors. Um, I do kind of like to look at brands that will call out and say glyphosate free because that's something with collagen that had come out I think I don't know a little while ago that just I became aware of is making sure that there's you know testing for glyphosate in some of these products even like oats and other things like that so the brand that I've been buying which is like the OG of collagen is the Great Lakes brand and they have that even at Trader Joe's so it's pretty accessible as well yeah but that's what I would use well I love for a pea protein great company plant-based one is sprout living oh that's surely right. we've that talked pumpkin about that one the yeah they have all one? kinds they have like pumpkin watermelon seed and then wait am i confusing is it not pea um maybe yeah i think their og one is pumpkin but they have a bunch of different combinations and they actually sent me stuff i think i was trying to get them as a sponsor so i have to um Let's do that. Go back to that. <laughs> I forget what happened. They might have said no, quite honestly. Um, but they had sent me a bunch of products, which was fun. And they have something called drinkable oats, which actually could be a good option for Marie. Back to her question. Um, you can like, I think you can make it warm or you can make it into a smoothie. Um, and it probably, I think it had like oats, the protein powder, and then a bunch of other sort of like superfoods and even things for like gut health and stuff. Scott really, my husband really liked it too. Um, but their protein powders are great and they're sprouted. Hmm. Yeah. And organic. They're bioavailable. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, other ideas besides protein that I like, if I, it kind of depends, I think what, how you're doing your workouts. Like if you're someone that's working out, I used to work out and then go straight to work. So it was always a struggle to figure out what I could actually bring with me. So in that case, I would do a lot of smoothies because I could make it in the morning and then bring it with me and then have it right after my workout. I also really like Rise Bars. Um, Their lemon cashew is super clean. There's like five ingredients and that's about it. It's a pea protein base. The other ones that they make are whey protein. So you want to make sure that you're looking at um, the specifics. But the, the lemon cashew is my favorite and that one is a pea protein base so that's a good option for an actual protein bar and then you could also do I've been doing kind of like a combo of like this like loaded chia protein bowl or like mason jar kind of jam (laughs) and you could easily bring that with you on the go too if you wanted to bring it with you before you go to the gym you could have it after Um, but it's just also nice even if you're not bringing it with you to just have it ready when you get home so I do like a little bit of overnight oats um and I will make that ahead of time in like a big, and so a little bit meaning a lot bit of whole <laughs> whole oats. <laughs> I meant chia seed pudding. But if you make a giant thing of overnight oats and store that, my husband eats a lot of that for his breakfast and then I'll use it in my little jar combo. And then in a mason jar, I take one quarter cup of chia seeds to one cup any type of nut milk. I've been using the Elmhurst brand hazelnut milk is amazing and it's only hazelnuts and water and so you shake that up let it sit on the counter shake it up again let it sit on the counter like do the dishes whatever come back and then it'll start to gelatinize and once it does that then you can stick it in the fridge but if you don't let it kind of like 
combine and just straight up stick it in the fridge like your chia seeds all sink to the bottom and it doesn't really like get you that chia seed pudding so make sure you like give it a good shake for a little bit while you're doing something else and then let it sit so now I have you know a good amount of chia seed pudding and then I'll put my oats on top of it and I just eat them cold you could warm them up if you wanted to and then I put nut butter on top of that um, I will mix in usually some collagen or something maybe into the chia seed pudding, maybe into the oats beforehand. And then what else? I put in some ghee because I kind of like want a good amount of fat. So this is kind of like a good way to get like a super, you know, protein packed, fat heavy, minimal kind of carbs. And there's nothing wrong with carbs, but I'm just saying instead of like eating an entire thing of oatmeal, you can see the ratios and all the other things that I'm putting in there make it a really you know nutrient dense filling meal. And that's something that I love to have after like a good workout. Um, sometimes I'll also do like frozen blueberries or something like that. Cause if you're making this the night before too, they'll defrost by the morning and then you're good to go. So that's kind of been my go-to lately. And then also just other ideas, you know, maybe you do hard boiled eggs or soft boiled eggs. If you don't like hard boiled eggs, I don't know why it took me so long to make soft boiled eggs. They are so good. Oh yeah. Yeah. So good. <laughs> so soft boiled <laughs> eggs are great. Avocado, sweet potato hash, you know, something like that for breakfast. If you want something during this season, I'm not inclined to make as many smoothies. I really want something kind of like warm and just like comforting in the winter, even though it's like 60 degrees here. <laughs> it's cold for us in California. But, you know, you can kind of figure out things that are going to be easy to make or hearty. And those are some ideas that I like. I really love having a smoothie bowl in the morning. It just feels the best to me, but I cannot get warm after I have it. And it does get, when I go for my morning walks here in LA, I you know, I shouldn't complain, but it's like high 40s. Cause I go early that's and cool. so it that's kind of cold and then like I have a smoothie bowl and I love it but it I, my it chills my bl- bones and my blood and I can never get warm for like hours and I take like a steaming hot shower so yeah it's kind of like in Chinese medicine you know like or Ayurveda yeah. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. it's, it's like the body in the morning wants something like warm and nourishing because it's still awakening and it's not like the shock to your system so I think there's something to be said about yeah. that but if you're somebody that craves smoothies and that's what you want then that's what your body wants and that's okay you know, know. <laughs> alright next question is of same from Marie I think it is really important for people to understand their exercise threshold I believe some people are made for more endurance but that is not me my sleep and mood are so much better now that I have found my healthy balance can you explain to people what is happening in the body when you overexercise without recovery? What is happening to your muscles, hormones, brain activity, etc.? Such a good question. Okay, so I'm going to kind of try and dissect this the best way that I can without it being too confusing, hopefully. So I did kind of write something out that I'm going to look at because every time I try and explain this, I feel like I either confuse myself or confuse other people and it just gets lost because there's a lot of different things going on and there's a lot of different things going on in every single person. So bio-individuality, remember that. Everybody's body is different. And so I think, you know, going back to Marie, what you were saying is like you're baffled that other people can do this. I have felt that way a lot (laughs) in the past because... I couldn't understand other people working out the same as I did or being, you know, maybe little body fat, but those people were like still getting their periods and then all of a sudden they were pregnant and I was, you know, just like, I don't even want to say like hurt by it, but just like I felt this like 
you know, I don't know, feeling of like jealousy or like, why can't I do that? You know, why can't I work out that much and get my period and get pregnant like I want to? You know, I was stuck in this, you know, cycle of like, you know, two years of amenorrhea and I finally, you know, was just like, all right, well, clearly my body cannot keep up. It's like, you know, two different people just cannot have the same genetics. They cannot have the same body makeup. It's just different. So, you know, for me, I had to go down the route of like, you know, gaining the weight and stopping the workouts and doing all the things that you're saying you're doing, which I think, you know, it's just, it's so important. And I feel like it sounds like, obviously I don't know, but it sounds like you're in a good place with it because it can be really hard, especially coming from, you know, being an instructor. It's like, that's your whole life and your livelihood. So I think it says a lot about you that you're able to kind of find this good, healthy balance, which is really a good goal. But anyways, moving on to like the sciencey things about it, it's just, you know, everybody's body is different, but what's actually happening um, can also be kind of different, but you have this HPA access. So that's kind of where we can focus the conversation of like, what does it mean with, you know, your hormones and all the stuff. So HPA stands for hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenals. All three of those organs and glands basically work together in this kind of like instrumental, harmonious way that things function. And when any of those things get a little bit thrown off, it has the ability to throw off other different processes in the body. And we want to remember thinking of the body of like a north to south process. So your pituitary, your hypothalamus is, you know, in your brain, your pituitary gland right between your eyebrows. Like those are kind of like the master control center. Your adrenals actually are, you know, much further down. They sit atop the kidneys and they're like two little walnut, you know, size balls um, right there kind of in the gut almost. And so those things are talking to each other. There's feedback loops, or you can say like a negative feedback loop, which I can kind of get into. But um, basically to explain this, we begin with a stressor. So the stressor could be a moment of physical danger. It could be just thinking about public speaking for somebody. Um, Or in this case, I think it's a good example to use that it could be exercise or over-exercise or you know, putting a stress on your body, even though you don't perceive it as being a stressor, you're like, I'm just doing a spin class. Like you're still telling your body to elevate your heart rate, to get your endorphins going, to like exude stress um, or like a stress response, I guess, in a way. So once that happens and there's a stressor, your hypothalamus releases corticotrophin releasing hormone, which then sends a message to the pituitary. Then the pituitary stimulates the ACTH production, which we won't go into what all that stands for, but you'll only really ever see it as spelled out ACTH production, which then prompts your adrenals to make cortisol. So your adrenals are the ones making cortisol. Okay, so I'm going to say that again, just as like a a loop. So your hypothalamus releases this corticotrophin releasing hormone that sends a message to the pituitary and that stimulates the pituitary's ACTH production, which then tells the adrenals to make cortisol. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, among other things that are happening, cortisol also raises the sugar in your bloodstream and prepares your body for this, you know, high-energy fight-or-flight response that it's kind of anticipating. So, you know, actually, when you work out, your blood sugar can actually elevate a little bit. So your adrenals also release adrenaline, which raises your heart rate, which increases your blood pressure. Like there's a lot of things happening. So if you've ever had that moment, like this happens to me, I love public speaking. I really do. And I love just talking 
obviously a podcast, but like anytime I public speak, this happens to me. And I always think of like, oh my gosh, the pituitary, the adrenals, the stress, the adrenaline, my blood sugar, my blood pressure. You know, it's like you can physically like feel this happening in your body. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Yeah. And that same kind of thing can happen if you're over-exercising. It just doesn't feel the same way. But internally, your body can perceive it that way. So having said that, all these interactions continue until your hormones basically reach a level that your body needs. And then a series of chemical reactions begin to turn them off. So for example, cortisol released by the adrenals actually inhibits the hypothalamus and the pituitary. So when they're producing so much cortisol, then they're like, oh, okay, cool. We can stop now because you have enough, right? So they stop sending signals to produce more cortisol. But this is just like one of the automatic switches that we can, you know, call this like negative feedback loop, as I was saying. So the loops that go on and on and on, it's almost like if you continue to let's see, like pour something into a glass, like it's going to have a negative effect eventually because it's like your cup runneth over. Like it's just going and something else is going to trigger something else to happen, trigger something else to happen. And it's just going to keep going in this negative way. And that's really kind of like what's happening with your hormones and your adrenal glands is it can kind of spin in circles so many different times to where your body just completely like crashes, I guess is kind of the best way to say it. So when you have like severe, you know, adrenal fatigue and your body is like, dude, I cannot listen to any more of these signals. I'm just going to like kind of like punk out, you know, your body is just in this fight or flight, the stress response, the adrenal glands become depleted. They're unable to release, you know, the hormones that they need and your body just kind of goes into confusion. So that's kind of, I guess, a good maybe wrap up or example of like what's actually happening between that HPA access. That's really, if you want to look into this more and you're still confused, which if you're listening to this, I don't blame you. This is all very confusing, especially to say it really quickly when maybe you don't have any previous you know knowledge of this. But if you just Google HPA access dysregulation, that'll give you a really good place to look at information more on you know kind of what's happening. And then the last thing that I wanted to mention, because I think it really does relate to the hormone cascade, is the pregnenolone steel. Also, if you Google this, we'll link to it in the show notes, but um, Stephanie uh, Ruper has a a really good um, article that she wrote on the pregnenolone steel, and she explains it in a really easy way. And she's the kind of other, you know, semi-co-host of the Well-Fed Women podcast that we love so much. So with the pregnenolone steel, basically your body can either from, um, from, let's see, pregnenolone. Yeah, so from pregnenolone, your body can either produce progesterone and sex hormones or it can produce cortisol. Okay, so, well, and actually I missed a step. It can produce kind of more cortisol or it can produce DHEA, which are your sex hormones, and then it will go into produce either progesterone or estrogen, whatever it may be. So if you have too much cortisol kind of coming in constantly, like the pregnenolone is always going to steal that and basically like push it towards more cortisol, more cortisol. So if you're an over-exerciser 
and you're just stressing your body out too much, your pregnenolone is going to go straight to that cortisol and produce that more, and you're often depleting a lot of your sex hormones as a result, which is kind of what happens when you look at amenorrhea. It's like your hormones are just so low. If anybody, and my, I can use myself as an example, when I finally got around to doing the Dutch test, I was really curious to say, like, what what are my hormones really doing? Because clearly they're not doing what they're supposed to. I had very little progesterone. I had very little estrogen. And I had high cortisol. So that makes sense. It was like I was stressing my body out to actually produce more cortisol and produce less sex hormones. The body cannot typically do both. Of course, you will have those people that somehow miraculously, they're zero body fat, they overexercise, they get their period, and they can get pregnant in a second. I know a lot of them. And I don't really have a good answer for that, except for that genetics play a role, for sure. Um, Thyroid, you know, comes into play down the line, too. So with thyroid, it's just another, your thyroid is a gland that also produces thyroid hormones. So when we say cortisol can kind of like trump producing hormones, like I would include that in that. It's not just sex hormones that are getting depleted, but it's also other hormones in your pituitary gland, you know, going back to that, it's not going to tell your body like, hey, I need more thyroid. It's like, well, yeah, you do, but can't really do anything about it. I'm a little busy with kind of the stress situation we got here. And maybe there's some inflammation on top of that. So it's kind of this whole cascade of things that can happen. Um, and each person is so different, but I'd say generally speaking, the majority of people will not be, I don't even want to call them lucky because it's more of like an anomaly. Like something will crash in those people that can do all these things. You know, no one is superhuman. So yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and looking at stress as a whole too, like I'm just brainstorming potentially with those people. Potentially they have less high stressors, maybe less environmental stressors or less, I don't know, life stressors, you know, maybe that allows the body to sort of find a a better place of balance potentially, even with the over-exercising. I don't know. I guess we'll yeah. never really know. Right. And it's actually interesting, like the way that we talk about stress is not just exercise, but you know, comparing two people that I can think of off the top of my head, it's like one person I know is a constant worrier. She worries about everything. She doesn't overexercise. Her diet's great. Anxiety. Is it me? And that con- no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you. Are you describing me? <laughs> no. No. But it's like, that's a stress too. You know, yeah. anxiety oh, yeah. and worrying and overanalyzing is a stressor. So the other person that I'm thinking of is someone who does exercise a lot, who doesn't have very much body fat. She lives a very carefree life. Like I just, she's one of the people I think of and it's like not a care in the world. If there's something, she'll figure it out real quick and just kind of move on. And like her body just, you know, is handling things different, prioritizing things different. And so a stress can be anything really. Yeah. I honestly feel like your mindset is the ultimate stressor, and that's why I speak to mindset so much, specifically with food and your body and exercise, because, and I was going to talk about this a little bit as well, like your motivation for exercise, if it's out of punishment, if it's out of self-hate, if it's out of only trying to lose weight or change your body, that's going to be more stressful than just, I'm over-exercising because like, I just like really love the endorphins and it feels good and... Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. your mindset 
you could look at two people doing the exact same thing, but if their mindset with that exercise routine is totally different or coming more from a negative versus a positive place, there could be a totally different outcome. So it's kind of interesting to look at like the depths and complexities of stress as well, I think. So Mm -hmm. yeah, cool. Well, that was amazing. I was like listening and learning. Like I can never hear that stuff enough. Do you know what I mean? To try and just yeah. like continue to try and understand it. it even for us, like it's it's a lot yeah. to sort of wrap your mind around. Totally. Um, and when you look at like if you are someone who's like, I really want to know more about this. Like there are graphs out there that are really interesting that kind of show, you know, that HPA access, the endocrine system, how that works, the negative feedback loops, the ACHT. With If you're a visual person, like I'm very visual. So once I see something, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so if you are looking at that, you know, I think it'll make more sense if you kind of dig a little bit deeper, but this maybe was a little mini intro. Yeah. So my feeling on this question is, you know, in terms of sort of finding your own individual exercise threshold, I just think, again, everyone is so different. Just like with food and diet, there's no one size fits all. And we really have to give ourselves time and space to figure out what type of routine and type of workouts really works for us. And like I was saying earlier, I definitely don't subscribe to the belief that more is always better. I just really think that's what we're taught to believe. You know, more, longer, higher higher intensity, it's really our culture. And exercise addiction is a real thing. And my thoughts on this is that it's also very similar to something like orthorexia or perfectionist eating in that it doesn't necessarily appear to be disordered because it's quote-unquote good or healthy and society culture would sort of praise people who work out more, are super active, are really lean, right, and changing their body and their physique. They're pushing themselves really hard. They're eating super clean, you know, those who are really regimented about food and being healthy, like that's also very, very much praised in our society and, you know, people look up to those people. And so you don't necessarily hear or see the warning signs as quickly as another type of addiction like drugs or alcohol or something obviously that's so readily recognized as unhealthy. So it's really interesting, I think about this all the time, like with food, just again with like the women that I work with and, you know, everyone's habits around food and exercise because it's like these good things that most people would like to do and live up to, we don't realize that it can be actually negative or detrimental. So I think for that, it's like everyone taking a step back and really giving yourself, like I said, the time to evaluate if what you're doing is serving you or hurting you. And so like you mentioned, Marie, you are sleeping much better. Your mood is so much better. So that tells us what you're doing is working. You wouldn't be sleeping better and your mood wouldn't be better if you weren't in this better place with exercise, right? So that's like a check mark. That's confirmation that this routine is working for you. So everyone who's listening right now, anyone who has any type of exercise routine, I think it's doing the same thing. It's taking a step back. And asking yourself, like, how are those things for me? So some questions you can ask yourself are, how is my energy, my mood, my digestion? Am I exhausted? Like, am I having a really hard time recovering from exercise? Do I feel like I could just sleep for 48 hours? Are you having a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep? Because that could definitely indicate your cortisol is high, high, high and never really coming down. 
Are you irritable? Are you like starving and ravenous all the time? Because it's obviously normal to get really hungry and especially when you're exercising a lot, but not to be like just this insatiable feeling. Do I have my period? Um, How's my skin? How's my stress? How's my immunity? Am I getting sick a lot? That could be a really good indicator for you as well because your system is just really burnt out and you're expending too much energy maybe for you to recover and keep a strong immune system. So basically the list could go on and on. There's a million questions that you could ask yourself. But I really think with this, it's like not letting yourself get away with not coming face to face with this. And I just don't think that it will get better if you power through, it'll only get worse. So even though it's difficult, like obviously, like I said, exercise addiction is real. And even if it's not to the place where it's that extreme, so many people are without having addiction are addicted to exercise again, because it's this positive thing, the endorphins, the way it feels, the positive repercussions that you get out of it. You know, you may be relying on it to control your weight or control your life. Like there's so many layers to this, right? Um, That it's hard. Yeah, it's just hard to acknowledge that maybe it may not be serving you. But like I said, you really have to take care of your body. Like you cannot push your body because ultimately something will break, right? Bones in your body, but also just like your hormones can become dysregulated. You could lose your period. Like you could all of a sudden start having a lot of health issues. Like you, anything could happen really. It's just not worth it to push yourself and see past some of these red flags. And at the end of the day, exercise should be adding to and enhancing your life, your lifestyle and your health, not taking away from it. And like I was saying before too, just reevaluating your motive behind working out. So negative, um, a negative motive would be something like punishment to earn your meals, calories, macros, because you should, because you hate your body, you're desperate to lose weight. That's really not a productive motivation. And that I think is going to make exercise more stressful, like we were talking about with your mindset. And if that's sort of where you're coming from, definitely time to take a step back and do deeper work to evaluate like why you're pushing yourself in that way or why you're punishing yourself in that way and that you probably need to focus on other aspects of your life, your mindset, and yourself um, and not like not punish yourself in that way. Exercise motivation should really be coming from a more positive place. So yeah, your body, like if something starts going wrong, even if it's something like you can't sleep or your immunity is is suppressed or your digestion is starting to suffer, it's just like it's a sign from your body. So your body is like, hey, something's wrong. Pay attention to me. It's not the sign to power through and ignore it. It's time to like listen to that because like I said, I really think things will get worse before they get better. So listening to your body. Okay. Well, her last question was, we have one answer. to this. <laughs> she said, as far as hydration goes, I have learned a lot from you. As far as not drinking as much water with meals, does having more stomach acid help you both digest better and absorb more nutrition from your meals? Yes. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's just basically because drinking water or any liquid with meals dilutes your stomach acid and having a more acidic environment helps you yeah better digest your food better to absorb nutrition from your food and also just helps you I think feel more 
like digestive comfort overall. So not maybe feeling like bloated or even not feeling like lethargic post-meal, um, having like better eliminations, you know, the next day, all that kind of stuff. So cool. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yay. Cool. Well, thank you guys for listening. If you'd like to submit a question, you can email us at nutritionishpodcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website and click under the submit a question tab. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It would mean the world to us. And be sure to subscribe so that a new episode gets downloaded for you every single week. For more from me, Chelsea, head to nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow me over on Instagram at nutritionwithchelsea. For more from Allie, head to barefootnutrition.com and follow her at barefootnutrition. And we'll see you guys next week.